So I'm sure that a lot of y'all know that being an entrepreneur is a little, mm, a lot more than putting CEO in our profile bios. And you may want to listen to this episode to find out what I mean when I say that, honestly, failure is one of the greatest teachers when it comes to our entrepreneurship journey. But what do I know? What are some critical or challenging, you know, moments that you went through? And, you know, looking back at it now, you can say, you know, that was hard, but I'm glad I went through it because it really shaped me. Can you share that with us? Oh, failure. In the, in the minute, in the moment, in the second of it, it feels horrible. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chid Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the But What Do I Know podcast. I'm your host, Chid Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode, season three, episode three. We are back with a brand new episode. Your host took a week off, you know, to celebrate her birthday. You know, she traded in editing for brunching. Yes, I did. (laughs) But we are back and we are feeling good this Wednesday. So before we get into things, if this is your first time tuning in and listening to a podcast episode, thank you for stopping by and choosing this podcast to listen to today. I hope you enjoy what you hear. Make sure to, you know, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're already in the know, you're already part of our podcast community, you keep listening and you're enjoying what you hear. Thank you. Thank you. Your listenership is honestly mad appreciated. And I'm just going to assume that you are already subscribed. All right. So it's Wednesday. It's April, spring. The weather is getting nicer. The ladies are out brunching, drinking their French 75s and all that good stuff. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I hope you all are having a wonderful week. I hope it's been, you know, productive and restful. And um, I can definitely just feel the energy. Everyone is getting ready for summer. People are trying to buy their Caravana costumes. People are planning trips or planning outings, road trips, all that good stuff. So I hope y'all are, you know, indulging, getting into all that. It is honestly much deserved after the two plus years that we've had. So go ahead, do your thing. Be safe. Wear your mask when you feel you need it because COVID is still out here. But uh, indulge because you deserve. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and get right into our clue and segment for this episode. All right, so for our clue and segment this episode, I'm going to keep things brief so that we can get right into our main segment. And before we even begin, I just want to say, you know, while we were on our little break, while I was off brunching, a lot has been going on. You know, we still have the war that's ongoing in Europe and Ukraine. And then, you know, over on the pop culture side, people are, you know, getting slapped and learning to keep people's names out of their mouth. So <laughs> a lot has been has been going on. But this week, we're going to start off with some U.S. politics. 
And I just want to, you know, just take this time to just acknowledge and just give praise to Miss Katanji Brown Jackson. She was confirmed last week. So this makes her the first black woman to sit on the highest court of the land, the United States, that is. So congrats after a very, very tough Heron, you know, they definitely, they drilled her, but she kept it graceful. She was just, <laughs> her her performance as an attorney was pulled apart. They talked about her race, her faith, everything. And through it all, she remained graceful. She remained calm. She answered her questions. You know, we've already seen the chart. She is more than qualified for this position. So I'm just, I'm happy that she got confirmed. Shout out to the three Republicans who voted for her and, you know, to the rest of y'all. <clears throat> well, I don't have nice words for y'all, so that's that. But I am, I'm so happy that she was confirmed and that she'll move forward with this position, you know, wishing her all the best and all that. It is never easy to be the first in these spaces, but after watching her, you know, conduct herself during the hearing, I have I have faith. I have faith that she's going to do well. And this is a position that she'll hold. Honestly, she could hold this for life. So, you know, wishing her all the best and much success in this position. And um, yeah, this is definitely, definitely an important representation for younger black women around the world, honestly, um, and especially in America to to um, to see and to witness. So. So, yeah, definitely excited about that. All right. So. We're going to get off politics. We're going to get into pop culture. I'm going to do a deeper dive and review of this TV show in the next episode because I want the next podcast episode to be a little bit more relaxed. I'm thinking it's going to be a solo episode. I want to spend more time in the clue and segment. But y'all, Bel Air, if you're not watching it, you need to be watching it now. Like Bel Air. And I love the fact that it's not a reboot. They didn't try to remake a comedy in 2022. They really took it and reimagined because that's the term that's been, you know, given to this remake is a reimagining of the of the show. And they've taken it. They've updated it. They've made it realistic with the times. And wow, I mean, Jeffrey has this little suave thing to him. He's a Jamaican Brit in the show. Um They've just added different layers to the characters. Aunt Viv, I love the whole, you know, her trying to get back into her career as an artist and how that, how she has to sort of navigate her relationship with Uncle Phil while getting back into her career and putting herself first. I'm impressed with Bel Air. I know people haven't been enjoying reboots lately, but I'm here for it. I'm enjoying it. And yeah, if you are not watching it, get on it. If you are message me at BWDIK podcast on the Instagram page and let me know. Let me know what you think. I want to, you know, talk about this with you all because I feel like there's so many, so many like lessons and like cool moments in this, in the way that they've done it. And I'm really, really, really enjoying it. I feel like the characters are just so beautiful and regal. Regal is the word. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So yeah, y'all make sure you get into Bel Air. It is some Pretty damn good TV. It's on Peacock Network. So yeah, y'all get into that. All right. So for our song of the week this episode, you know, I want to play something that reflects our mood, the times, you know, spring is here, summer's close. We're excited to get back outside safely, of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, date parties, celebrations, barbecues, all that good stuff. So today we're going to be listening to Foreigner by 
One of my favorite Afrobeats artists, especially when it comes to like, I want to say that alternative Afrobeat, Alte, um, Nonso Amadi, Nigerian born, was based in Canada for a little bit, UK for a little bit. <laughs> He's global. So today we're going to be listening to Foreigner by Nonso Amadi. Let's go ahead and get into this track. Love will go love me back. Love will go take to last. I need your love and I'm promising you everything well, Finally spoke my mind Say you did listen, yeah Show me the doors to your heart Baby, I'm breaking in, yeah Finally spoke my mind Say you did listen, yeah Show me the doors to your heart Baby, I'm breaking in, yeah So that is Foreigner by Nonso Amadi. He is back. It's been a minute since we, you know, got music from him. And when I when I heard this, I was like, okay, he's back. He's back with one for the summer. It's definitely a vibe. I could definitely see me and my girls holding up our bottomless mimosas while we dance to this. So but yeah, I'm excited to, you know, get out and just jam to this at the day parties. And yeah, so y'all get into that this week. Support, buy, stream, however you enjoy your music. Go support that. That is Foreigner by Nonso Amadi. All right. So for our main segment this episode, we are going to be talking about entrepreneurship. And we've covered this on the podcast before, but I'm so excited for you all to hear this conversation because we had a seasoned serial entrepreneur on this episode. And um, it was just an honor to sit down and talk to her. And she dropped so many gems. So for all the side hustlers, boss babes, entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, this episode is for you. Go ahead and get into this conversation. All right. So for our main segment this episode, we are going to be talking entrepreneurship and We've definitely talked about this in previous episodes on this podcast and platform, but I am really excited because on this episode, we have a seasoned entrepreneur. Not just that, we also have a serial entrepreneur to have this conversation with us. Um, and I'm just really, really excited. I feel like we'll be able to get a lot of lessons and gems out of this conversation. So Y'all, with me today, I have Dr. Nicole Garner-Scott, who is a sought-after licensed financial consultant, speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur. Dr. Nicole received her undergraduate degree from Georgia State University, her MBA in digital entrepreneurship, and was awarded an honorary doctorate to recognize her work in business. She's a mother and a wife, as well as a native Atlantan. She's also a TEDx speaker and has been recognized for her entrepreneurial innovation by the White House under the Obama administration. Wow. And she's even gracing us by being on this podcast after all that. Um, in case y'all are not sure if I have the right person to have this conversation, <laughs> let me keep going. 
Dr. Nicole has created a socially conscious digital empire that touches millions. Her work as the founder of The Money Plan takes a unique approach in her practice by helping people achieve financial security through holistic integrative planning. By connecting pieces of her client's financial puzzle and determining if they're working together in a coordinated strategy, she helps create their ideal financial picture to help them map out their legacy. Welcome to the But What Do I Know podcast, Dr. Nicole. It is such, such an honor to have you on this episode. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're going to get right into things. Let's start off with your journey. So can you walk myself and the listeners through your journey of entrepreneurship? Because, you know, you've been doing this for a really long time. You're, you went from being an entrepreneur to a serial entrepreneur. You own multiple businesses. You're, you know, a motivational speaker. You're a financial expert. You do all the things. So can you walk us through, you know, how you went from saying, you know, I can not just handle, you know, just one business, but I can own and operate multiple. So can you walk us through that? Yeah. So how I got into entrepreneurship overall was as a child. Um, I think for for many people listening, they could possibly relate, but you know, you get to a point where there's not enough resources uh, to fulfill a lot of your childhood dreams and you have to get very creative. That came for me very, very early in life where it was like, I got to figure some things out <laughs> so I can get the ice cream that I want, so I can get the shoes that I want, you know, and all those different things. So I, you know, in my younger years, I was like the candy lady. I was very innovative than just figuring out income sources um, as a child. And and my parents helped to hone that in because, you know, for children that can go very left or it could be very right, you know? And so um, they caught on to that ambitious nature that I had as, as a young girl and really helped to put me around individuals that can pour into that and foster that. So, um, so I got struck with the entrepreneurial bug very early very, very early on in life um, and got to high school and realized I wanted to go to college to figure out how to run a business properly. Um, so that was that was definitely on my heart um, from from early years. Uh, I ran my original business uh, when I uh, uh, was very much into running my marketing and PR agency. I ran that for, for over a decade before I started venturing out into um, becoming more of a serial entrepreneur. And so I tell people a lot, you know, because it's very easy to start a business that people tend to um, hop on the train of becoming serial entrepreneurs uh, prematurely. You know, the business has to be able to to work for itself. It has to be, you have to hit a level of where you can see a scale. You have to understand the growth pains that come with it. You have to have the right team and the right professionals around you. Um, you got to get through a few seasons with, with taxes in the IRS. Like it's just a bunch of different things that you have to really see all of what that business requires of you for it to, to blossom to its truest potential before you start to spread yourself. Um, and you got to have systems and processes in place. So um, from there, then I was able to really start to see and delve into what I wanted my true purpose on this earth to be. And while I was in the space of working with a lot of individuals, 
I was noticing that there was, there was a large gap in between entrepreneurship, managing cash flow, thinking about retirement, thinking about longevity, business succession, a lot of those different things, understanding, you know, uh, taxes to that level. You don't, you don't learn taxes in school. You don't understand how that impacts you and how that impacts, you know, the, the money actually coming into your home. And, um, I had some great financial mentors that took me to another level. And that is what I started to help those in my family. I started with my family first. Um, just really wanted to help change the narrative of my own bloodline. And from there, I, um, I started helping extended people, you know, friends, then community, um, and then just delved in deeper to recognizing that there was a large void of, um, those that could, that, that could really understand what we go through culturally and could combine that to a strong method of, of financial planning. And that's when I really stepped into a deeper calling for this. And so, um, I definitely say that this is a calling. Right. Because, uh, financial talks and, uh, financial meetings are very much rooted and connected to a lot of emotion. Um, it's not like people are running out the door like, yay, Nicole, I want to talk about my finances today. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's something we all know we have to do. Um, and, and it really behooves to have, you know, more individuals in this industry who recognize you know, what, what it takes emotionally to step into that power. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's my journey. So firstly, you know, I just want to say you said so much in that, that I really, really appreciate, you know, you talked about the barriers that the cultural and systemic barriers that pertain to us as, you know, women of color, as black women, the things that we have to go through, the additional hurdles for us. Um, and you mentioned, you know, starting with your family, then wanting to impact your community and then going beyond. And I think that that's such a, an important sort of trajectory to have and a pace to go at it. And so that brings me to my next question is, you know, here on the Boadueno podcast, you know, we love to explore our Boadueno moments, I've called them, with myself and our guests. You know, these are moments where, you know, you might have thought to yourself, what do I know? What do I know about business? What do I know about entrepreneurship? I can't, I can't do this. I'm, you know, so did you ever have a moment or moments like that? And how did you overcome that? Of course. I, I don't think you're, you're a human breathing if you don't have those moments of self doubt, of comparative analysis, of perfection, uh, style tactics, of, of all those things. And, um, I wish I could go back to my 20 year old self and be like, let go of a lot of that head trash. Um, because you really, in its truest sense, you're the only one thinking it in most of those cases, but it was me times it was, but, but what do I know? <laughs> you know, and the thing is, I don't think that the people you help expect you to be the best out there. They're just expecting you to be a little bit further ahead than they are. And for you to have strategy to help them at least get to your level. And then when they outgrow you, you then they go to someone who can get them a little further. And then when they grow outgrow that person, they go to someone else who can get them a little further. Truth of the matter is many of us on our journey aren't even ready to work with that person who is the ultimate best, right? So even when you think of somebody in their music career, they start off with 
a parent probably being their manager. That's what they need right now because they're, they're, they also need someone to help feed them and clothe them and, and talk to them as a parent and help them grow up and all those different things. But that parent hasn't been in the industry for 50 years and doesn't have the backing of this you know, high label and all these different things. So there comes a, a point in time where you, where that artist has to talk to their parent and say, well, you got me as far as you can. And now it's time for me to get to the next level. And so I tell a lot of people, it it's not really about what you don't know. No one's questioning you on that part. It's about what do you know and how can you impose that? Or how can you um, uh, be able to transcend that information that you do know to the next person? And so when I got really comfortable with that, you know, I'm, I'm very much uh, a, a subscriber of the mantra of build as you climb. I'm never the smartest person in the room. I'm never sitting back, just relaxing and being like, well, I got this far. That's all that's needed. I'm always pushing myself. And the more I push myself, the more I have more leverage to help those around me. So that continues to build my confidence because I feel like I'm always going to bring value. Like I'm, I'm always going to bring value to a, a scenario. If it's me, I'm going to give you the best of I, that I have. If I can't, then I know who to put you in contact with. And so that helps me get through those. Um, but what if I don't know moments? Right. And I think that's for a lot of us like that. That um, what is it called? Imposter syndrome. I think imposter syndrome is. um it's real, right? It's it's real. But many of us are using it in places that it's not designed to be used. So imposter syndrome is you feeling like you don't have what it takes to be adequate in, in the position that you've been called to do. Many of us are more than qualified, right? We're more than qualified for that moment. It's just outside voices and narratives that's telling us that we aren't. So it's not really for us to say, are we qualified? It's, it's for us to let you know how qualified we are and standing and standing strong in that. So, um, yeah, but uh, by all means, we've all gone through, but what if I don't know? And we, and for the rest of our lives, right? Like in every stage, once, once I had a child and became a mother, that was a whole new set of, I don't know. And then when I have a college, when he becomes a teen, that's going to be a new set. And then when he's an adult, that's going to be a new set. And as my parents get older, that's a whole new set of, you know, things I don't know. And once I got married, that was things I don't know, you know, and me, my twenties and then me and my thirties, it's a whole set of, I don't know. So I'm very open to the process and me not knowing is not a, is not a barrier to me. This just becomes a new pathway of things that I have to learn. And I become very strategic on how I get down that path. Yes, exactly. Oh, firstly, I just want to say what I admire about you is your confidence. And, you know, I know that that comes from years and years of experience of going through the ups and downs of, go, of you know, going through all that this thing called entrepreneurship has to offer. But what you just said is exactly what I had in mind when I created this platform is, you know, as women of color, you know, we're sarcastically telling you, but what do I know? Because we know, we know things, we know what we're doing, you know, and a lot of the times, a lot of us are operating in spaces where we are overqualified. And you know what, like you said, guess what, for the pieces that I don't know, I'm going to ask questions, I'm going to be curious, I'm going to do my research, 
I'm going to find community of like-minded women to help me. Because like you said, a lot of us are not ready to work with that person that is all-knowing and that is, you know, sort of at the top or who we deem to be at the top, right? So, you know, that being said, I want to dive a little bit deeper into your entrepreneurship journey. You know, we're in a time right now where being an entrepreneur, it's, it's a really good time to be an entrepreneur. I feel like there are a lot of resources as, at our disposal, especially, you know, as young entrepreneurs. And it's, it's really glamorized right now. You know, we love to put CEO on our page bios <laughs> and, and it makes us feel good, right? But, you know, from a seasoned entrepreneur, you know, I want you to sort of share with us what are some critical or challenging, you know, moments that you went through and, you know, looking back at it now, you can say, you know, that was hard, but I'm glad I went through it because it really shaped me. Can you share that with us? Oh, failure. In the, in the minute, in the moment, in the second of it, it feels horrible, right? The, the one, the one situation that took advantage of you or, uh, it ended up being a court situation or a misunderstanding or whatever that was. I promise you, then you had a legal consultant and your contracts were tight <laughs> moving forward. Um, those moments where you, you knew in your gut you weren't supposed to work with this person. Everything told you not to. And you decided, hey, I need the money. I'm going to go for it. And it burned you. And it was a failure by all accounts. From there on, you'll never doubt your gut again. You'll never doubt, um, you know, where you stand. Those moments when you shortchange yourself and undercharged and undervalued yourself. And it ended up being the hardest project that you ever worked. It'll never happen again. So. In those moments, you know, you have to stay very, very true to yourself. But failure is such a beautiful, it's a beautiful lesson. If you can, if you can separate the, the emotion from it, allow yourself to feel the emotion when it first happens. That's, that's part of, of, of good growth, um, you know, and emotional intelligence, but not to get stuck in that because it's, it's your greatest. And I, I have a, a client of mine that talks about, um, when you're going through like the product launch process, is you want to get feedback from where there's like glitches or where there's bugs in the system. That's why people release like a beta version of things. And she talks about like on social media, her her haters and complainers are her most prized research and development audience for free because they will go in and figure out everything that messes up and they will blast you on it. Whereas you, you're paying another research and development thousands to do this for you. Your haters will come right on in and do it for free. And if you're in the right mindset of growth, you will accept that where they said that there's, there's these mess ups and this wasn't what I thought it would be. And this, you know, is not what was promised. And you will immediately take that and get to work and up level what it is that you're putting out to the world. And then no one can tear it apart because there's nothing to tear apart. Mm, I love that you said that because you know what, and this is something that I've been thinking a lot about as I, I even go through my personal entrepreneurship journey with, you know, my, this creative platform and so on is, you know, failure, failure is important. It teaches you so much and failure at some point in our entrepreneurship journey is inevitable. You know, like I've, I've experienced things with this platform with, with guests, with network partners that have, <laughs> that have been beyond what I could potentially plan for. And it's taken me by surprise and I've been, you know, caught off guard, but it's made me then reflect and think about, okay, 
How can I come correct next time? How can I do this better? Okay, this is what this guest is expecting. How can I do it? Or they're, you know, not taking me so seriously because I'm not as big as so-and-so. How do I, you know, look for guests that are maybe, you know, more accessible? How do I market myself? Like I've had to sort of think about things and and there's only so much planning you can do, right? Like as as a high performing woman and, you know, I like to, you know, say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Like I, I like to, I, I'm I'm sort of more open to just flowing and swaying with this journey a little bit and, you know, planning things and then learning as I go and learning from the mistakes. I think that that's so, so, so important because that's the part of entrepreneurship that is not often showcased on social media. When when we're looking at other people that have, you know, gotten to a point of success that we aspire to be at, we often don't see, you know, the the, the late nights, the phone calls, the business meetings where they were rejected, the grants that were not won, the scholarships that were not won. Like you, you don't see a lot of those things, right? You don't see a lot of those failures. And so I'm really, really happy that you you mentioned that because it is so, so, so important, you know, and it's something that's often overlooked throughout this journey and process. Um, so with that being said, I want to sort of get into this, this aspect. So a lot of us, you know, especially younger millennials, we're reflecting our entrepreneurial muscles, you know, we're becoming a lot of us as side hustlers, creative entrepreneurs, and so on. So from your experience, what would you say, you know, we, we have this business idea, we have this business plan. What is the first thing that's a must do as we're sort of creating and curating this business plan and idea? Um, a few, a few different things, but I'll say where to start. So one thing that I, I realized with a lot of business owners is that they feel like they could be all over the place with like their personal finances and personal planning and that they'll miraculously show up and be these amazing business finance gurus, right? And so, uh, what you do in one part of, of life is what is reflective in all parts of life, right? So figuring out what is your personal financial plan? When do you, uh, estimate yourself retiring? How much money needs to be there? What is your strategy in regards to either keeping your job or exiting your job? Um, what is like your family planning? All of those different things so that you understand. Then you have a lot of those things in place so that as you go into entrepreneurship, you're just kind of repeating. I'm glad you said that because I was just sitting here thinking that is a word. A lot of us think that, you know, we can operate separately in our personal space and then somehow that won't, you know, blend in without our business space. But yeah, that's that's not the case. You know, if your finances are not in order personally, it's going to be hard to get that in order when it comes to the business side of things. And I think one thing I'm learning and I've, I've learned that I'm still learning is that a lot of the times the finance and the contractual pieces are things that you want to handle or at least have a grasp on in the beginning. You know, things like your contracts, your, you know, your legalities. Are you going to trademark the name? Do you, you know what type of brand? And like, you know, do you have a budget? Do you have spreadsheets? What's your budget for this venture that you want to take on? I think a lot of those things are really you don't have to have it all figured out in the beginning, but it's at least important to to have an idea of the scope that you're going to need for that project in the beginning, for sure. So thank you for bringing that up, because that's something that is definitely uh, important for sure. And, you know, sort of, you know, going with this piece of funding and financing our business, a lot of us, you know, especially young millennials and so on, where we're trying to, you know, operate in the space of side hustling, 
so that as we move to full-time entrepreneurship, you know, we're able to have a softer landing, like you said, um, it's able to be a smoother transition, right? So what sort of advice would you offer from your experience for, you know, those of us who are working our nine to five and are trying to, you know, use, I guess, bootstrapping is the term that this is often referred to, use our own funding to, you know, use our own funding to pour back into our business and to keep doing that until the point where we can sort of scale up and so on. You know, what have you found? Because it's often difficult when, you know, you might not be a tech app, so you can't get funding, you know, as a startup or, or funding from venture capitalists. And you're not maybe um, a fashion creator, so you're not quite sure how you can work with brands, right? So, you know, from experience, what have you found? Um, one, keep your nine to five. That's your first investor. I think everyone is so quick to just e emotionally be like, I hate this job. I'm out, et cetera. Um, but it gives you the opportunity to be your first investor. Um, get really clear about what it is that you do and your value prop proposition. And then you can start to approach friends and family, right? A lot of people are saying, oh, my friends and family never support me, but you don't give them a solid uh, foundational piece for them to support you. Like, what does it mean to support you? What is your business truly going to do? How is it going to work? The, the same that you would you will formally display your business to people that weren't friends and family. Friends and family might might get on board. You know, if um, if things are are looking very surefire, you know, it, it, at least very well organized. Um, also, too, you know, get, getting very creative. Uh, a lot of individuals, especially in the startup space, go to pitch conferences. There's a there's a good amount of money that's floating out and about. Should you tap into some things that are relevant at this time? A lot of grants are, are you know, going to businesses that are owned by women of color. Uh, a lot of, you know, opportunities are coming in that type of way as far as some some level of cash injection. So there's resources out there, you know, and sometimes, too, that's when you have to kind of create a business that makes sense to the times as well. I know everyone's very driven by their passions, but sometimes the passion doesn't match the economy at this at the the same time. And so maybe sometimes appealing to where is funding going right now, right? Like now you see a lot of funding going to to beauty brands. That was not the case 5 to 10 years ago, right? Like those beauty brands would have not gotten that money. So maybe you create something that brings in that revenue, that gives you that cash flow. And then once you get into a good space, then you can fund more of your passions. But a lot of people are, are going dry financially because the passion is just not in line with like uh, uh, demand at this time. Mm. And you know what? The, it, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about it. And I know that's something that's probably really hard for a lot of people to do is, you know, you're already wanting to start this business and build it and fuel it with your passion. So uh, that I can definitely see how that might be hard for some some side hustlers and for some entrepreneurs to sort of to take on because you want to, you know, start a business that you're passionate, like very passionate about. Right. But I hear you and I understand that it's also important to 
you know, see what the trends are in the economy, especially right now. Like the creator economy is definitely trending upwards. Those those brand deals, especially for the beauty brands, like you mentioned, they're definitely streaming in. So I think that's definitely important. But it's I think it's up to each entrepreneur to sort of figure out that balance of like timing and and your passion and the economy and see how you can make that work. All right. So the next set of, you know, millennials that I want you to sort of <laughs> impact some advice to it. And this is me is, you know, what sort of advice can you offer to the set of millennials that are trying to balance working a nine to five, but still keep that entrepreneurial dream alive? You know, you're working your nine to five. Some days it's a nine to seven if you're working overtime. And afterwards, you know, you're exhausted. You're trying to just really, you know, keep keep that dream alive. You're trying to pick away at it. But some days you feel like you're not doing a lot and you're not pouring a lot into your business because you're working you know, a full-time job, um, you know, from experience, you know, what, what advice would you sort of offer these group of millennials? Um, so you have to get really, really clear on what you can handle. What is your capacity? Uh, a, a lot of people are just so happy to be in the room that they're accepting any and everything. And it is completely outweighing their, their capacity, which is going to make you lose all of that business anyway. If you if you don't provide what you say you're going to provide, you got into the room and you'll be easily dismissed. So understanding what your capacity is, maybe you can only take two clients now until you get your systems and process and, and, and processes in place, until you get a virtual assistant to help you, until you get um, more automation working for you. Maybe those are the only things that you can do. Um, and then two. Uh, Understanding how to build an intentional business, right? So maybe you're all over the place because you're just accepting anything and everything. And the truth of the matter is once you let go of your nine to five, you're just going to increase accepting anything and everything because that's the foundation of what you built your business. So if you use this time to become more intentional, having two clients that are bringing in the bulk of revenue rather than 20 clients, just to say you're working with those individuals. So. Um, yeah, getting very intentional and really running your business like a business. I, I feel like generation, generation Z, millennials, whichever generation you are a part of, I feel like you should not feel like I'm, I'm young and I'm just trying things out. Like, no, if you, if you cross my path and you're 18 and up, I'm treating you like an adult because that's how the world is treating you. That's how the bank is treating you. That's how your credit cards are treating you. That's how rent is treating you. That's how your mortgage is treating you. Everyone else is like, you are an adult. I, I might give you the 21 and that's it. But anything over that, you can, you can't rest on. I'm young and, um, I should have, you should give me mercy in this. Once you step out into the world and say, this is what you do and the world respects you as such and pays you as such or, you know, validates you in that area then you have to use your youth as your superpower, not as your hindrance. And so I started my business my last year of college. I was 20, getting ready to be 21. And it's not like I was broadcasting my age out to everyone. Like, hey, I'm only 20 years old. Give me a break, guys. It was like, listen, you sent an invoice. So so you have to perform as is. And, you know, and that's that's what it was. And I remember I had a, a, my mentor during that time was was like, use your youth as a superpower. You have the ability to tap into technology more. You know, more innovative ways of getting things done. 
You have more people around you who are just as hungry to succeed as you are. So build your network is, is all those different things. But what we cannot get comfortable doing is putting out half level work or operating a, as a half level business. If you're, if you don't have the time to do it, it's just not the time to do it. That's, that's really what it boils down to. You might be extremely passionate. You might really want this to happen, but if you cannot operate in a way that actually gets it done, you're just going to lose all of that and you're going to burn bridges and you're going to build a bad reputation. And it'll be even harder for you to really make the dream happen when you have the right resources to do such. So what I really want listeners to take away from what you just said, because that was that was so good, is, you know, you you talked about scale. And that is so important because if you can only take two clients consistently and perform well and at your best, then take two clients. Don't take 20 so that you can broadcast and tell everyone that you have a long list of clients if you're not performing to your best or you're not, you know, delivering on the service or the product that you are supposed to deliver on. Right. So I think that's really important. And then you also mentioned, you know, professionalism and using our youth as our superpower. And I think that's so important because, you know, <laughs> you killed me when you said, you know, you know, hey, guys, I'm only 20, you know, give me a break. <laughs> but I think a lot of times, you know, as as young, you know, Gen Z, millennials, so on, we sometimes, you know, we, we, we yeah, we kind of act in that manner of like, hey, you know, give me a break. I'm, I'm really young. Um, and, you know, you're right. You know, we do have to use the fact that we're young to our superpower. We're we can adapt to technology, to certain changes in the market, to different industries. You know, we're able to do things that previous generations don't quite understand. You're right. And then still, you know, bring that, you know, professionalism, but in the relaxed manner that, you know, Gen Z and young millennials have unlocked. So you can determine what relaxation is for you. Right. So so many, many generations now are like, I don't want to do the burned out stress level of former generations. And I totally get that. But there's still just ways of operating in business, just showing up at excellence. You could create your boundaries. You can say, hey, my hours are this and I don't work outside of these hours. You can contact me via email. We're not handling business on text. I do not work weekends. I do work weekends. Whatever that is, your boundaries are your boundaries. I completely support that. Generation Z has that on lock. Um, as far as like, these are my boundaries and you shall not cross it. Um, but also too, you can't, you have to create those boundaries and people have to sign contracts on what these expectations are in the beginning. You cannot bring someone on and they're used to doing business in a certain way. And then you're speaking up, well, I don't do business like that, but they started to do business with you under that assumption. I also wanted to add one more thing too, while we're just talking about things to think about, you know, from a millennial perspective. I feel like too, when it comes to just mapping out your financial trajectory, there, the power rests in, in you being a millennial or in you being generation Z, because you have enough runway ahead of you to make some very strong decisions that are Previous generations, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, et cetera, did not have. So you have the power of compound interest working with you. You have the power of health, your health being in good capability at this time. You have the power of not having astronomical debt. You know, you might have student loan debt, but trust me, by the time people get into their 40s and their 50s, 
there's there's so many other types of debt that add into that that you know can become overwhelming if you didn't put the right things in place. So I would definitely say for for a, a millennial, for someone who's just younger, getting into this journey, going into business, etc. A few things that I wish I knew in my twenties. One, lock in your insurance, right? Get your life insurance while you're young, while it's cost effective, while it makes sense, while you have your health. There's a lot of people who are in their older years wanting to get insurance and they can't because they've lost their ability to be insurable. Something has happened, diabetes, a heart attack, etc. So locking that in, understanding the difference between permanent insurance and whole life insurance is going to be a key factor. Understanding what you know your investment journey might look like opening up a brokerage account opening up uh you know understanding what your benefits are at your job right you know many many of my clients in their 20s they'll be like yeah i know i have benefits i have you know i have contributed to a 401k but i really don't know what everything is and what i'm doing understanding that and then working with someone who is giving you better direction Ah, oh, I, I definitely, I definitely hear you. I definitely hear you. That debt definitely increases as you start to take on things. You know, we, you have, you have student loans now, but by the time you take on mortgage, you take on business loans and so on, it definitely increases. I hear that. I hear it. Um, all right. So the final sort of group that I want you to, you know, share some advice with is a sort of group of entrepreneurs who, you know, they want to start a business and it's a priority to make a profit and to make money, but they also want to make an impact. And I feel like this is something that's really personal to me, you know, um, and I know that right now being a social conscious entrepreneur in business is is sort of in right now. It's a trend, but it's something that wasn't always there and it wasn't always prioritized. So, you know, in your perspective, do you feel like it might take a little bit longer to get to your goals or to get to that profit? Because, you know, you're focused on, okay, my profit margin, but I also care about, you know, sourcing things ethically and focusing on the environment and maybe social justice and so on. Like, do you feel like it might take longer to get to certain goals? Um, I think there's there's multiple ways to make impact. I think even sitting down and doing like I call it a, 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 a bike wheel, like riding out the spokes. Right. So. Taking, taking a circle, drawing it, putting a middle circle in, in, in the middle of that circle, putting you and then draw your six bicycle spokes outside of that. And what are the different ways that you can make impact? It doesn't have to be the massive impact, right? It doesn't have to be how am I saving my entire community? It could, one could be how are you saving your brother, right? Your little brother that is completely not getting the support from your parents. Like what is this? He's displaying as needed. We're, we're trying to save the world when sometimes we could just save that one person that's in our household, right? Or how can you save your child? Your child is needing more of you and you might have this mission placed on your heart to save the world and you can, but first, you, these next few years, it's just figuring out how can we save, how can you save your child, you know? And so I think that there's multiple ways to make impact. And uh, when you draw, when you do that exercise of the bicycles, bicycle spokes, really just sitting down and seeing what are six different ways that I can make impact, right? Like how can, in my job, I might have this, I might say, hey, I don't like my job because 
I really want to help uh, single mothers in my community. You get into this job and then you recognize they have some type of, of um, corporate juncture that they need to do. And you speak up and you say, hey, this year, can we work with single mothers that need this type of help? And then you're able to bridge those things together. It doesn't necessarily mean you got to go out and start a foundation because in its truest sense, your foundation won't even have enough money to really help that many women in the beginning anyway. Right. It takes it takes a while to bring in that type of funding to truly help mothers get like homes and houses and pay for, you know, daycare for a year and and things that will really help to impact them. So take the situation you're in and see how you can layer in impact that truly inspires you in that type of way. Um, you know, and, and also too, we always say, you know, on social media, instead of just liking that person's page, sharing their page, sharing their information. Um, you know, even if you're, even if you're listening to me right now, um, and you're listening on this, on this podcast, it can, you might say, well, I'm not sure if I need a financial advisor myself right now, but I know my aunt does. Or I know that my brother does, or I know my sister does. That's impact because you're putting a great resource in front of those people. So, you know, just, just making up in your mind that impact can look a lot of different ways. And those small levels of impact are just as necessary as the global, global levels. Ooh, that, that right there, that is a word. Sometimes we're looking to save the world. But the people we really need to be saving are in our families, ourselves, our local communities. That that right there is is definitely a word. All right. So, you know, I want to sort of end off this segment with this final thought. I want to offer you the floor right now. If there's any final thing you want to share um, an impact, you know, on millennial and younger entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, you know, all around wealth builders, if there's anything you want to add, you have the floor to do so. Um, the last thing I would say is do all you can to build it right from the beginning. It's going to take longer to do it right from the beginning. You're going to go slower, but slow and steady wins the race. And if you can do it right from the beginning, then you have something that could stand the test of time rather than a quick boom that no one hears from three and four years from now. Surround yourself around the right professionals that can help you get there, right? There's a lot of things from, from our generation to millennials to generation Z. It was a lot of shortchanging. Let me see how I can get around having to pay for things. Let me see what I can do myself. And that, and, and now we see as many businesses have started, as many businesses have closed down, right? Because it wasn't your ministry to figure out how to do your own accounting. And it wasn't your ministry to figure out how to run your own Facebook ads. And it wasn't your ministry to do your own graphic design. If we can get into a space now where we hire the right professionals and the right people to do what we need, then we'll just be in a better place collectively. <laughs> Amen to that. Heavy on the, it's not your ministry to do your own graphics. <laughs> because Canva solves a lot of our problems, but it doesn't solve all our problems. <laughs> uh, but Thank you so much, Dr. Nicole, for for being on this episode, for sharing all that you have so far. And, um, you know, this has just been a great conversation. I know the listeners would definitely have a lot to take away and reflect on. So we're going to switch the segments up a little bit. You know, this is the But What Do I Know podcast. So with that being said, you know, we have a segment where we just want to, you know, have fun with our guests, get to know a different side of our guests. 
So I'm going to ask you four lighthearted, fun questions. And without thinking too hard, just give me the first answer that comes to mind. All right. So the first question is, what is your favorite beverage right now? And this can be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. But yeah, what are you enjoying right now? Oh, that's such a, it's a twin tie between a chai tea latte with almond milk. That's like my thing as far as like comfort. And then I'm just a real champagne girl. So um, take me through a journey of champagne and I'm good to go. (laughs) Okay. Love that. Love that. All right. Second question. What is your favorite genre of music? (sighs) You know what? I'm not committed to a genre. I'm, I'm committed to how that music makes me feel. So if you were to grab my phone and, and open up my Spotify, you'd be like, she is all over the place. Right. But it's just, it, yeah. there is a, there is a song from each genre that I'm going to hear and I'm going to be like, this, this is it. This gets me through whatever I need to feel emotionally at this moment. Yeah. I feel like that's me too. Like I feel like R&B, R&B and Afrobeats are my staples. But if we're driving together and you hand me the aux cord, the genres are going to be all over the place. So. <laughs> I definitely hear you on that. All right. And I am definitely really interested to hear your answer to this one. But if you could have dinner with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? I'm going to say Oprah. Um, And not to sound cliche, but she just she has reinvented herself in her later years. And that's people I'm interested in sitting down with right now. Like it's it's easy to get to the top and be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm about to relax and chill. And that's it. And people who are like, you know what? There's still more money to be made. There's still more, more uh, value and more impact to be made. Nothing says they have to do it and they reinvent themselves again. And so, yeah. So Oprah's very interesting to me in that, in that way. Hmm. That's a good one. That's a really good one. See, I've heard people say Oprah, But I love your reasoning for it. The idea of reinventing yourself in your older years. That is, that's smart. That's something I haven't thought about. That's definitely dope. I like that answer. I like it. All right. Final question. What is one thing that is yet to be crossed off your bucket list? Um, one thing. So I totally have a bucket list. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what's the one thing that I want to say. Um... I don't know. I'm, I'm doing it, but it, I, I have a, I have a three-year-old son and I want him to have massive stamps in his passport before he, before he goes into his adult journey. I want that to be something he's comfortable with. Uh, the pandemic has, you know, made that slow down in this type of way, but I'm still very intentional on, um, he will see the world while he's with me and it'll open his, his passion and his heart to see, see the world more when he's on his own. Oh, that that's amazing. And honestly, he will absolutely love you for that. That's an amazing thing to have crossed off your bucket list. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. All right. Well, Dr. Nicole, thank you for being on this podcast episode. Thank you for all that you've shared. I appreciate you. This has just been amazing. Uh, Before I let you go, just go ahead and share your socials and all that good stuff. So the listeners know where to find you and how to connect with you. Yeah. So if they're interested in doing a uh, financial plan conversation, um, which is once again, for anyone, don't let that that terminology feel intimidating. If you are considering building everything together the right way, then a financial advisor is who you need to sit down with. 
Um, but you can go to my websites, themoneyplaninc.com, the money plan inc. Um, on social, uh, all across the board is Dr. Garner Scott, D-R-G-A-R-N-E-R Scott. Um, that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. Um, if you want the, the more high level corporate, uh, renderings, then I would definitely connect on LinkedIn, put a lot of, uh, of financial information, things that you should just be running past yourself and, and those you love as far as your planning on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, that's everything. Perfect. And I will definitely link all of those in the episode description. So listeners know to directly connect you. Dr. Nicole, once again, thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for having me. All right. So with that, we are at the end of this podcast episode. Thank you all for tuning in to my conversation on entrepreneurship with Dr. Nicole Garner-Scott. Like I said, it was truly an honor to sit down and just be able to pick her brain on what it means to be an entrepreneur and what that journey looks like. Be sure to keep the conversation going on our social media platforms on Twitter and Instagram at BWDIK Podcast. Visit our website at bwdikpodcast.com. Share the podcast episode with someone you feel would enjoy it. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff before you leave the podcast app that you're currently listening on. And as always, drink your water, mind your business, enjoy the rest of your week, and I will talk to you all real, real, real soon. Bye for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.